When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to NFL Live. It's tag time. NFL teams can start to franchise tag top players like Saquon Barkley, Baker Mayfield, and T. Higgins. We have it all for you. And the Bears have a tough decision to make very soon. Draft Caleb Williams or keep Justin Fields? We'll tell you the top suitors for Fields out of Chicago. Plus, 10-time Pro Bowler Matthew Slater has retired. Bill Belichick has called him the best special teams player of all time. We will take you inside a very special Patriots locker room tradition coming up. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a little hint right there. And oh, yeah, look what <laughs> we have here. Sam Macho, Mike Tannenbaum, and Jeff Darlington. What a fine trio for this Tag Tuesday. So let's get started, guys. As we said today, teams can franchise tag players. There are some big names that could be involved. Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Saquon Barkley, among others. Now, the franchise tag allows teams to keep players on a one-year deal. Now, the most common is the non-exclusive franchise tag. That's where a player gets the average of the top five salaries at his position. He can negotiate with other clubs, but his current team has the right to match, and they receive two first-round picks if he leaves. There is also an exclusive version of the tag. That is more expensive. The other option is the transition tag that pays the average of the top 10 salaries at the position. The player can negotiate with other teams, but that tagging club, they receive no compensation if the player leaves. Woo! So now that we have all of that out of the way, let's get to some of the top names that could receive the franchise tag. So uh, Darlington, you're right there in Tampa. Let's start with the Bucks. Yeah, let's start with Baker Mayfield. This is a feels like a match made in heaven here between Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. Now, I talked to him about this uh, just a couple weeks ago, and Mayfield made clear that he really likes the idea of staying with an organization that's been supportive, but he also is going to make sure that that is the right fit in terms of monetary value. Now, the Bucks also really like what they saw of Baker this season. They love him on and off the field. This feels like a match. It's just a matter of negotiating it out. Mike Evans, on the other hand, a much different situation here. He's been with the team for so long, a Tampa Bay legend, but ultimately he made clear this past offseason that if he didn't get that long-term deal, it looked like it could potentially be his last year with the Bucks. Now, of course, money can change that, and the Bucks do have a chance to still sign him. Uh, he would love to stay in Tampa for the right money, but whether or not that right money comes his way, when a bunch of other teams have a lot of wide receiver needs, he could wind up being one of the more coveted players on the market. Now, Josh Jacobs is up for another franchise tag, but there's not a lot of people who are thinking he's going to get it. He didn't exactly have a great year under the tag this past year. That tag goes up to about $12.4 million. It's possible that Jacobs could return to the Raiders. He's made clear how he feels about the team's new head coach. He wants to play for him, but I don't think that would happen on a franchise tag. Rather, it would happen on more of a long-term deal that's more befitting of his value at this point. Perhaps the most interesting of all, Saquon Barkley, who ended up 
really not playing on the franchise tag, but a new one-year deal this past year. We know how contentious that got last offseason. Ultimately, the team did not wind up giving him the long-term deal, but they tried. I don't know that his value has increased to the point where that tag, again, worth about $12 million, will be something that the Giants explore. He's made clear that he wants to be with the Giants, but this one feels far away from me. I could see Barkley also entering into what feels like a saturated free agent market at the running back position. Here. Right, Jeff. He said he wanted to be a giant for life, but Mike T, we know this is a very saturated running back market. Once again this year, if the Giants don't tag Barkley, where do you see him as a good fit? Hannah, I think the Dallas Cowboys, let's assume that Dak Prescott works out a new deal and lowers that cap number, which is roughly $60 million. Tony Pollard was mildly disappointing being that full-time running back replacing Zeke Elliott. And if you're a team and saying we could use Saquon Barkley to improve us and simultaneously hurt a division opponent like the Giants, I think he'd be an ideal fit in that offense because he's so dynamic in space, so good out of the backfield. And wow, with C.D. Lamb, Jake Ferguson, and Saquon, I think that gives Dak Prescott and this high-flying offense even one more weapon. So. I understand why the Giants wouldn't franchise Saquon, but as soon as free agency begins, they have to understand that there's a likely chance that he's not coming back, including going to a division rival. Well, I think a great fit for Saquon Barkley would actually be the Houston Texans, a different team in Texas, not the Dallas Cowboys. Why do I say that? You have C.J. Stroud, the Offensive Rookie of the Year, as your quarterback, obviously an ascending team. Then to go alongside that, Nico Collins and Tank Dale. Nico Collins went for over 1,000 yards. But what was the missing link on this Bobby Slowick Offensive Coordinator coach team? It was the running game. The running game was 29th in yards per attempt. So what do you do? You add in a Saquon Barkley to that, that, that dynamic running game. All of a sudden, you have a top-level quarterback, top-level running back, and dominant wide receivers who are also ascending I think Saquon to Houston could be great now also another conversation could be the Baltimore Ravens Todd Mockin that's a team that loves to run the ball one of the best in the NFL I think those two teams are two teams I see potential for Saquon to land and Nacho by the way I, here's the thing we have to talk about here though it's the value and you guys are making great points about the needs but the value of Saquon Barkley is incredibly important, as we've talked about. This is a market that's going to be uh, a lot of running backs. Take a look at this, this list right here. We've got Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, some really good players that are notable free agents. This was something that GMs had told me about before this season had started. Part of the problem with the running back market last year when it came to these tags and trying to get long-term deals done was that they knew that all of these players would be available mm -hmm. this year. So Saquon Barkley makes sense for a lot of those teams unless he asks for too much money and those teams say, forget that, we'll go get Derrick Henry. We'll go get Tony Pollard. So the question becomes, which running back is going to set the market here and which running back is going to try to go to the team that will best set them up for success. Right. Let's not forget last offseason and that Zoom call with all those running backs uh, because the market was so saturated and the price tag so low. All right, Jeff, let's talk about the Bengals. All right. We're going to play an ideal scenario here for them. Joe Burrow comes back healthy. Sure. They get to hang on to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, who's entering his fourth season next year. Uh, what's the reality? Yeah, I mean, on paper, that makes sense that T. Higgins would come back on the franchise tag as well, and they'd have another year to figure this thing out. 
but the Bengals do recognize Jamar Chase's contract is coming up and it will be a monster one. So if they do tag Key Higgins right now, will they be able to get a long-term deal done before July that actually makes sense with uh, considering the Chase contract as well? Or will this be a situation where Higgins is saying, I'm not playing on that tag and causes the Bengals to potentially tag and trade him? Of course, the final option there is Higgins does just play on the tag. Mm. And like you said, they get that chance to play together. That would probably be the ideal scenario. But as we know, with these types of things, ideal does not always play out. Sure. And if he played under the tag and they could get. But ideal may play out when your quarterback is named Joe Burrow. Why do I say that? Orlando Brown Jr. left the Kansas City Chiefs, said, I want to go play left tackle for who? For Joe Burrow. There are certain players who are maybe taking a little bit less money. Maybe they'll accept a franchise tag. Maybe T. Higgins will say, hey, I know I'll get my long-term deal later. But right now, I want to go play for this special quarterback. Joe Burrow is the championship window. When you talk about championship windows, he won in college. One in high school. He's won everywhere he's gone, and now he's brought a winning culture to the Cincinnati Bengals. So you have a good offensive line, a dominant defense, a quarterback who is elite, then all of a sudden you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. All of a sudden, now you have a team that can compete for AFC titles year in and year out. And so I understand if T. Higgins says, I want a long-term contract, but I would understand even more if he says, you know what, let me sign this franchise tag this year. Maybe we'll be able to figure out some ways to get a longer-term deal in next year. You know, Hannah, there's really a way to thread the needle here if we're the Cincinnati Bengals, which is bring T. Higgins back on the franchise tag, mm. which is roughly $20 million, which is $10 million a year less than Tyreek Hill at the top of the market. Tell Jamar Chase, look, we love you. You're incredibly valuable, and we're going to address your contract a year from now. And what they've done philosophically, which I think is really interesting, is they've let a lot of good defensive players go. Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple over the years, and they are really young in their secondary, and I think that's smart. We have Joe Burrow, we have these two outstanding receivers in Higgins and Chase, and we're gonna be unstoppable on offense, and we're just gonna draft on defense. We got a great coordinator in Lou Anarumo. So philosophically, this can work. You just have to know that you're gonna be young and inexpensive, especially on the defensive back end. Man, something to keep in mind, though, Joe Burrow's cap hit is just under $30 million for this upcoming season, but that jumps up to $46 million in 2025. That's so things will get a little bit tighter there in Cincinnati. All right, gentlemen, we are just getting started here on NFL Live. An important decision to be made regarding the future of Justin Fields. The guys are back to give potential landing spots for the former Buckeye quarterback should he exit Chicago and news out of Foxborough. Ten-time Pro Bowler Matthew Slater retiring. We take you inside the Pats locker room, a valued tradition. How we feel about making NFL history? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Fits the mold of a quarterback that can play in Chicago. Justin Fields into the end zone. Touchdown. I think Justin can develop into an elite passer in the NFL. He can be the quarterback of the future. He's already proven he can do so much. Touchdown. 61 yard. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Justin Fields. You've shown us enough. Oh, the Bears have a big decision to make once again with the number one overall pick in the draft. Do they keep the incumbent Justin Fields or do they draft the presumptive number one Caleb Williams? There are several different factors to consider with this decision for one. Chicago not only has the first pick, they also have the ninth pick in this year's draft. They also have the fourth most projected cap space. That's as of this moment. The Bears also have a new offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron coming over from the Seahawks. All right, fellas, Mikey T, yesterday you said if the commanders call to try to trade up for that draft pick, do not answer the phone. However, that would mean they would have to answer the phone for potentially people who are interested in Justin Fields. Where do you think a good fit for Fields would be? That's exactly right, Hannah. So when a number 412 pops up in Chicago, that's the Pittsburgh area code number. <laughs> Ryan Poles, answer the phone. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin. Get a deal done with the Steelers. That is an ideal fit for Justin Fields, and here's why. Arthur Smith is the new offensive coordinator of the Steelers. He had massive success in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill and Justin Fields, in my opinion, have very similar skill sets. They're athletic, they're big, they're strong, they can make all the throws. And when you look at the talent that Pittsburgh has, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, obviously George Pickens on the outside, that's similar to what A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry were in Tennessee, I think this transformed the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Their offense makes a good defense even better. And I think it's a win-win for a second-round pick to have the Bears trade fields to the Steelers. I think it's a win-win-win, and not just for the Bears, not just for the Steelers, but also for Justin Fields. The reason why is this. When he got drafted to the Bears, he got drafted under a different regime. It was Ryan Pace. It was Matt Nagy, different head coach, different GM. Now, all of a sudden, there's a new GM. There's Ryan Poles. There's Matt Eberflus. There's different offensive coordinators. There was a lot of instability in Chicago. All of a sudden, let's say you get a chance to go to Pittsburgh, one of the most stable organizations in the National Football League. There's a certain thing that comes to mind when you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, for me, yes, it's winning. It's Mike Tomlin, but it's also defense. It's T.J. Watt. It's Cam Hayward. It's Mika Fitzpatrick. You have that consistent style of football, consistent winning. Now you have a quarterback who knows how to win, or at least maybe has some more stability and can win in that regard. I think it's a win for the Steelers, win for the Bears if they get some draft value there, but also a win for Justin Fields in getting somewhere stable. 
I could do even better than that, boys. If the 404 area code yes. calls, you better pick up because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Atlanta. And by the way, that call might be coming from Justin Fields because he too has a 404 area code because he's from Kennesaw, Georgia. See what I'm saying here? Send him home. Let him go back to that Atlanta area. That team is perfectly situated and set up for Justin Fields to come in there and succeed. The Bears can get Caleb Williams. They can also get their stockpile of picks. I don't know what it would take to get Justin Fields. What are we talking? A second round pick at this point? Give it up, Atlanta Falcons. You are a turnkey team ready for a quarterback like Fields to step in there and do what he does. He is perfect for the Atlanta Falcons. Wait, wait, wait. Really quickly, though, because that's a lot of pressure. Should you go back and play in your hometown, Mike T? Yes. Well, absolutely. There is additional pressure, but that's what an NFL quarterback is about. And he would have a great opportunity in Pittsburgh or Atlanta. I think he winds up one or two spots. And that's what being a pro is. And part of it is to lean on the leadership of Raheem Morris to put him in a great situation and be successful. It feels like it's resurgent and a rebirth in Atlanta with a new head coach. And I think that could be a good fit as well. And it's just something that he would know that he would have to deal with when he showed up there. And an influx of talent. We talk about the lack of talent on the perimeter for the Chicago Bears before they got DJ Moore. Look at Atlanta. Running back, you got guys like mm. B. John Robinson, Cordero Patterson. He's been there for some years. You have guys like uh, Drake, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. All of a sudden, Justin Fields will have even more weapons than he had ever had during his tenure in Chicago. So then mm. you get a chance to explore even more of his ability. Yes, his ability with his legs, but to spread the ball out, not only to some great backs behind him, but also to some receiving threats at tight end and at receiver. It could be dangerous if he goes to Atlanta. Jeff, I know you want to say something. I feel like I changed their mind, Hannah. Yes, what do you want to say? I just feel like I changed their mind. <laughs> they were talking about Pittsburgh. Now we're talking about Atlanta. <laughs> Okay. Things went great there. <laughs> you know what? Win-win. Win-win. I, I, I got to say, one, one thing for, you know, he, he's not even 25 yet, right? This kid has only had six wins in 31 starts. Um, I can't wait to see him in a different situation, hopefully, and just see what he can do. All right, gentlemen. Jeff, just change your mind. You have another, you know, 40 minutes or so to keep waffling around here on NFL. We're, we're fine. <laughs> no, I'm, we we're locked in. We don't take any receipts. <laughs> we're good, Jeff. All right, coming up, Bill Belichick called Matthew Slater, the best special teams player of all time. We're going to take you behind the scenes to his locker room celebration. You should be proud, the sweet nectar of my high victory. Ah, how do we feel about tasting the sweet nectar of victory? Oh, yeah. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to NFL Live. Matthew Slater, who holds the NFL record for most special teams Pro Bowl appearances with 10, announced his retirement today after 16 seasons. The son of Pro Football Hall of Famer Jackie Slater was a fifth-round draft pick back in 2008. And back to those 10 Pro Bowls, that's tied with Aaron Donald and Aaron Rodgers for the second most among active players trailing only Trent Williams. It's also the same number of Pro Bowls as Lawrence Taylor, Barry Sanders, Johnny Unitas, just to name a few legends. And here was the reaction around the league from Bill Belichick, his statement via Adam Schefter. He is a once-in-a-lifetime person and the best core special teams player in NFL history. Tom Brady said, a true champion, the best teammate and an even better man. From Julian Edelman, the Patriot. We always talk about the Patriot way, but Slater lived it. And Matthew Slater himself, in 2024, I can retire knowing this experience has exceeded any hope or dream I ever had. How do I feel about being a Patriot for life? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you might be wondering why Slater chose to end his statement with those words. Ah, uh, yeah. It's a New England tradition that was passed down from Patriot to Patriot during their dynasty run. And Matthew Slater was the voice of that famous ritual for years. Jeff Darlington has the story. After Coach Belichick talks about the game, the team huddles up. Slate will give you know his words. Sunday is the Lord's day, so when I go out there, I may have a little sermon for the guys. We gotta believe, man. We gotta believe in ourselves. Proud to be a part of this group. You should be proud of what we've done here, man. We stick together, we gonna be all right, fellas. But in the meantime. And all of a sudden, it just turns it just turns into a different slate. How we feel about going 9 and 0? How we feel about a victory Monday? How do we feel about being AFC East champions? <laughs> Inside the Patriots locker room, where the most well-known phrase is, do your job, there is another phrase, reserved solely for the moment after the job is done. I think it was around 2003. I remember just being in the stretch line and we were talking about something and I just did a little, oh yeah. So we went to Philadelphia and we won. Antoine Smith, he sort of looks at me and says, Teddy, Teddy, break it down, do, uh, do that thing. Do that all oh, yeah thing. Fellas, I got one question. How do we feel about a victory? Oh, yeah. And from there, it just started. Yeah, guys just sort of fell in love with it. Brewski retired before the 2009 season, but the tradition continued. From that light, that's a hell of a win coming into their house, getting the victory. But how do we feel about a see you Wednesday? How do we feel about Fat Man going 
go 75 yards. Let's finish this thing out because we're going to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. To Moss. Everybody in there. How do we feel about getting our first victory of the season? Oh, yeah. To Brady. I'm going to take over Teddy Bruschi on this one. All right. How do you feel about a Monday night victory? Oh, yeah. Until 2011, when All Yeah once again found its consistent voice in a special teams captain with a charismatic presence. The first thing that came to mind was Teddy, and, and I knew I knew I had to go with the All Yeah, but uh, you know, I tried to put my own style on it, my own flair on it. How do we feel? about our AFC East Championship. Oh, yeah! What is your favorite all oh, yeah moment? Sweet nectar, yeah. Fellas, proud to be a part of this group. You should be proud of what we've done here, man. You should be proud, the sweet nectar of my high victory. Ah, how do we feel about tasting the sweet nectar of victory? Oh, yeah! After the AFC Championship game. Cue that Prince up, because we're going to Minnesota. How do we feel about going to Minnesota? What I tried to capture in that moment was our brotherhood and all the things that we have been through. It's emotional for all of us. I mean, we're getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. And so that's one I'll never forget. But I, I know I don't have to ask, but I'm going to ask anyway. How do we feel about a victory? Oh! Now I think it's just a sense of team camaraderie, coming in, uh, celebrating, I think something that we worked hard all week for. I'm appreciative of, of having the role. I'm appreciative to carry on Teddy's legacy and uh, you know the Patriots tradition. It's a real tradition still winning before you got to do that. Uh, that's probably the most important thing, but I think it's really cool that they still do it. <laughs> Cool piece. Great job, Jeff. I love that piece. Um, <laughs> what was special about him? You know what? I think you see it there in terms of what we remember from that dynasty is obviously the hard work, almost the militant attitude of Bill Belichick. But when we watch that piece, I'm reminded of Matthew Slater and Teddy Bruschi and these guys and the camaraderie that they had within their locker room. And, and as much as Belichick's impact on the dynasty was obviously essential. Tom Brady's impact in terms of his ability at quarterback was essential. It was guys like Matthew Slater through that dynasty and Brewski who really kind of tied it together, the glue guys, as they call them. And I think that that tradition is sort of symbolic of, of a bigger thing that Matthew Slater provided. You know, Hannah, I had the privilege in my career for working for both Coach Parcells and Coach Belichick, and they always emphasize the kicking game and hitting yardage the net difference between kickoff return, punt return between you and your opponent, and Matthew Slater really epitomized the importance of it and the value of it, and he truly is a Hall of Fame special teams player. And, of course, they were great with Belichick and Brady, but he had a meaningful impact on all those great Patriot teams. And I had the privilege, I have the privilege of knowing Matthew Slater personally. I actually saw him earlier today at an event, and 
yes, he's an all-star football player, 10-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champion, but he's an even be better father, an even better husband to his wife, Charizard, an even better leader when it comes to NFL players and guys who we played against. I remember, yes, as a player, you want to play for certain coaches. Like, I got a chance to practice against and play against Matthew Slater. He's a player that I would have loved to play with. And the reason why is that I know I could have learned from him how to be great on the field, but I could have learned even more how to be great as a dad, as a husband, as a leader, and as a man. And so, Matt Slater, salute to you. And one quick thing I'll add as well, as I got a chance to see him earlier, I shared with him a little bit about what I was going to say. Uh -huh. And instead of running and going to what he had to do, we stopped for 15 minutes and just talked to me about life and about transition and what it looks like. And so, the character of Matthew Slater is unprecedented. That's why you hear from guys like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and, and Julian Edelman that it's not just him as a football player, it's him as a man. And that transcends all that he'll ever do on a football field. And I think one of the things, too, uh, to your point, they have to respect about him is he was such an emotional leader in those post-Brady years, these last couple of years, uh, when things were really lean there uh, with the Patriots. Uh, he took on a very, very strong leadership role there as well. All right, so in honor of his retirement, Sam, let's look at the top five most memorable plays of Matthew Slater. We're going to go back to 2013. The Patriots punting on a fourth and long. They're playing the Ravens here. Jacoby Jones is going to field the punt, but he's immediately taken down by Slater. And what's even more impressive, Hannah, he was double-teamed. This is called vice. You have two guys assigned to Matthew Slater. He takes his inside step. He runs around both of them, takes the inside route, and then outruns the entire vice team just to make the tackle inside the 10-yard line. That's elite-level play. This is an all-time classic, too. Pat Steelers, 2018. Now, the punt team is going to track down the punt, and we're going to see Slater hurdle the ball to prevent the touchback, Sam. And what's even more impressive is that you practice things like this all season long. You may never get an opportunity, but yes, it's Slater's leg getting it out of the way, but it's his spirit saying every player has to be a part of that play. Pat's Cowboys 2019. Cowboys are punting from inside their own 30, and he gets home to block it. Battle of field position. Usually block punts lead to wins. That's usually what happens in the NFL. That's a 50 or 60 yard swing. Offense, defense, special teams. Matthew Slater does it on every level. Pats, Jets, week three, same year. Pats are punting near midfield and he makes this unbelievable play here, Sam, to keep it out of the end zone. Great spatial awareness, even better. Stopped at the one-yard line. Special teams have extra meetings before practice. They go out on the field early for plays like this. Those are winning plays. That's how you win Super Bowls. That's how you win your team over effort like that. Yeah, we saw special teams in this year's Super Bowl obviously play a big part. And here's Pat's Bills 2019. The Pats are going to get home on the punt block. And I love this because Slater takes it in for the TD. Every single special teams coordinator will tell you, if you can score on special teams, those will lead directly to victory. So not just the block, but get the recovery and then get in the end zone. We are celebrating for days. Yeah, Bill Belichick saying, hey, I got to coach the best offensive player of all time, the best defensive player of all time, of course, in LT, and the best special teams player of all time. Congrats, Matthew Slater. All right, when we return, we will tell you why. If the Bucks don't franchise tag Mike Evans, he could wind up in Kansas City. Oh, this is a Darlington all over it. All right, we'll talk about that when we come back.
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome back to NFL Live on Tag Tuesday. Starting today, teams can franchise tag players. There are some big names that could be involved, like Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Saquon Barkley. Back with Jeff Darlington. Let's start right there with the Giants and take us through some of these scenarios. Yeah, let's start with Saquon Barkley. Uh, this is a scenario where Barkley coming off of last offseason, we went through this already one time. He ended up doing that deal for just over $10 million. Ultimately, the franchise tag this year would pay him $12 million. I don't necessarily see this happening. I don't see, number one, the Giants tagging him. And number two, if they did, him agreeing to it or getting a long-term deal done. For me, if they're going to make this happen, it's going to have to be them coming together through a free agent deal and finding out that his value elsewhere is similar to what it is with the Giants and signing a deal. Otherwise, I think this is the last time that we'll have seen Saquon Barkley in the Giants uniform. Let's talk about the Super Bowl champs. Chris Jones is coming off a, a deal where we could see him getting franchise tag. The deal, uh, the Chiefs picked up an option that allows them to franchise tag him this year, but that would cost $32 million for this coming season. It's 120% of his previous salary. So $32 million, a very steep price for a defensive tackle. Instead, they'll try to work toward a long-term deal. Legereus need also a franchise tag option. If they could get a deal done with Jones before the start of free agency, they could potentially tag Sneed and keep both guys for the long-term future. Now, every day that Mike Evans does not get a long-term deal done with the Bucks, it feels like this could be it for Evans in Tampa Bay. Now, I'm not saying that it definitely is because he too could go test the free agent waters almost like Chris Jones could to find out what his value is and still wind up signing with his original team in the Bucks. But he made clear last offseason if he didn't get that long-term deal that he would be inclined to think about going somewhere else this season. So he will be coveted. This wide receiver mm -hmm. market is such that teams will be coming after him. For how much 
is the question. What kind of value teams place on him? And if it's right. less or more than the Bucks, will indicate where he ends up in 2024. Because they also have to worry about Anton Winfield Jr. too. So there's that part of the picture. Now, Jeff, apparently it's your day to convince people of things because earlier in the show, you convinced the fellows <laughs> that Justin Fields to Atlanta would be a good idea. They were thinking Pittsburgh. And earlier today, I heard you reference the possibility of Evans going to Kansas City, yes. even though you just laid out the dilemma with their two defensive players. So walk us through this, please. You, uh, you're setting me up for failure, and I appreciate it. But uh, we're going to get there because I'm convinced of this. Look, I, I'm, I just believe, by the way, this is not just speculation, the Chiefs will prioritize the wide receiver position this offseason. How they do that is, of course, the question. Do they go out and try to get a budget group to put around Patrick Mahomes for the coming season, knowing that they've succeeded in the past two years doing similar, or will they go out and get him the type of weapon that could help this offense reinvigorate itself to where this is an offensive team? Now, they won a Super Bowl last year as an offensive team. They won a Super Bowl this year as a defensive team. They can do both things, but Mike Evans in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform should be a scary thought to everyone to the perspective that, yes, it would make sense for them to consider it if they can get them for the right price. Hannah, Jeff may have had us with Justin Fields in Atlanta. Maybe. No chance of this happening. Zero. Chris Jones can't leave Kansas City. Zero. He was double teamed 63% of the time. So you have to keep LeJarrius Sneed and Chris Jones. Sign one, tag the other. Mike Evans is a great player. First ballot Hall of Famer. There's no way they can afford him. They also have to deal with their left tackle, Donovan Smith, amongst others. So to me, Mike Evans is a great player. Unless he wants to go there for close to the minimum, he's not going to be a Kansas City Chief. This draft is loaded with wide receivers. So if I'm if I'm the Chiefs, I, I sign LeJerry Steed, I franchise tag Chris Jones or the opposite. I try to draft a wide receiver and a left tackle. While I love Mike Evans, he's just not in the same stratosphere right now in terms of priorities and salary cap resources. Priorities? <laughs> Acho, you go first. You go first. I want the last word. Jeff can't even speak. <laughs> All well, right, I'll, Sam. I'll, I'll just say this. Two things. The two things that I saw, at least this year and last year, what happened? Kansas City Chiefs could have paid Tyreek Hill. They didn't. What happened when they let Tyreek Hill walk? Yes, Tyreek had success, but also Kansas City won not just one Super Bowl, but another one without a dominant wide receiver. So we saw that. You had Travis Kelsey, but nothing on the outside. That's part one. And then part two, I'll say this. As far as trying to keep both LeJarrius Sneed and Chris Jones, I think that Chris Jones is definitely the priority. Just because historically speaking, I haven't seen Kansas City pay top end for defensive backs. Whatever reason they haven't done it, they've won without it. And so, though LeJarrius Sneed is one of the best, played himself into a top-level contract, it'll be interesting to see if Kansas City can afford both him and Chris Jones and who they'll prioritize. Okay. First of all, you said that the fact that, like, they've done it the past two years. The, two years ago, they did it with an offensive success rate, uh, more so than defense. I can walk to Bristol, Connecticut right now. I can get there, but if you gave me a car, it would be a lot better for everybody, right? Give, give Patrick Mahomes a real receiver. Do it. 38 drops in the middle of the year. And by the way, here's what I'm coming back to. Mike T, you're talking about not being able to afford him. This year, 
Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to cost them $13.9 million if they keep him for the 2024 season. That doesn't make sense. They can save $11.9 million against the cap by releasing him. And if they were to do that, they've only got Rasheed Rice and, uh, and Travis Kelsey as their pass catchers in this offense. They've got to go get somebody. So they're going to have to reload. They're going to do that. The question isn't whether they're going to or not, whether they can put junk around Mahomes and make another Super Bowl. The question is who they're going to put around him. Go get Mike Evans. Don't take no for an answer. Find a way to get him on a good deal. They've earned that by having Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. Wide receivers will want to come play there. Don't give up just because you think that he's going to be too expensive. He might not be. Jeff, I appreciate the sentiment, but again, the tiebreakers in these decisions is what can we backfill in the draft? You're not going to draft Chris Jones in this draft in the top five and certainly not at 32 where they are. And corners, uh, there's a little bit more of those than defensive linemen, but there are a ton of receivers. A guy like Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, he may be there at 32. And if he is, he has a chance to be a number one receiver. So to me, when you look at the overall strategy of what's best for the Chiefs overall, I agree. MVS should probably graduate. Hasn't been good enough. But pay the guys that have been there. Give them what they deserve. That's your nucleus. And then go draft a wide receiver. And that's something that they should be able to do where they're drafting uh, this year at 32. Because oh, that worked out with Sky Moore. That didn't work out with Sky Moore. Number, number two, extend oh. Chris Jones. Push the money out. That's fine. Tag Legereus Need. Get Patrick Mahomes weapons. Oh, give him weapons. Goodness. You've got Yo. to give him weapons. Did, 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 yeah. I, 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 did it, it work out with happen. Kelsey? And, they and, just won a Super Kelsey? Bowl without a number one wide receiver. What are we talking about? Like, yeah. this is not desperation mode. They just did they had 38 it without in the middle a guy of the year. like Mike Evans. They they did it I want to see what you said Rice about the Chiefs wide Kelsey receivers in the middle of the year. It's doable. They won a Super Bowl. If this doesn't happen, it's Jeff, doable. I'd like to Go see you receivers. walk to Bristol, Connecticut. That would be that would be a lot of. They fun. will not make it to another Super Bowl if they don't put a nucleus of receivers around him. They've got to do it. Listen, Mike Evans. Though the one thing we can all agree on is how special he is. The only player in NFL history with a thousand-yard receiving seasons in each of his first ten seasons. All right, we will leave that there. We do have some news to bring you out of Kansas City. Earlier today, it was announced that in addition to the two juveniles who were detained on gun-related and resisting arrest charges. Two adult men are now facing murder and other felony charges in connection with the shootings last Wednesday following the parade for the Kansas City Chiefs. According to court records, the defendants attended the Super Bowl parade and rally and were armed with firearms. A verbal altercation occurred and gunfire broke out with no regard for thousands of other individuals in the area. Both defendants are being held on a $1 million bond. Coming up on NFL Live, the Russell Wilson situation in Denver looks to be over. Mike Tannenbaum tells you why he might need to start considering backup roles elsewhere in the NFL. But what about starting, Mikey T? We'll get into that. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. ESPN Plus UFC Fight Night Saturday in Mexico City highlighted by flyweight main event Brandon Marino taking on the number three contender Brandon Royval. Uh, the prelims start at 7 followed by the main card at 10 Eastern. Nine-time Pro Bowler Russell Wilson has put his house in Colorado on the market and with his departure from the Broncos not formalized yet it does seem an inevitability. Wilson threw for over 3,000 yards last season in 15 games. Mike T has an idea about a destination for Russ. Anna, he's going to be a backup. Just like you laid out there, his production's gone down. He's getting older, and he needs to go to a place where he can hopefully, for his sake, resurrect his career. So to me, it's the New York Jets as a backup. And then in a year, he could reevaluate things. And for somebody that has so many off-the-field aspirations for him and his wife, Hannah, what better market than to be in New York? So I think it's a marriage of convenience. It's a temporary one, but it gives the Jets a better chance to win this year. Right, and he gets to rejoin Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, wouldn't that be lovely? I mean, honestly, Mike Evans to the Chiefs makes that look like I don't know what. So, Mikey T, let's let's live in the land of, I don't know, other destinations and realistic destinations, uh, Mike T, for Russ. Yeah, so I think context here is really important, Hannah. When you think about realistic starting jobs, there's really three out there. Pittsburgh Steelers, Atlanta Falcons, Las Vegas Raiders. Barring something unforeseen, those are the three spots where you think they could use a veteran starter. So unless something works out there, it may be the Raiders where they draft J.J. McCarthy and they want a bridge quarterback. But beyond those three, he's going to have to be a backup, and he's going to have to determine, do I want to make $39 million to do nothing, or do I love football, and am I comfortable being a backup for a year, and then, like we discussed, resuscitate his career where he could then move on to be a starter next year. I do agree that there is a model for what exactly what you're talking about. I mean, we saw it. I, I feel like every time this kind of situation comes up, we point to Ryan Tannehill back when he left the Dolphins, mm-hmm. went to back up for Mariota, and ended up in the starting role. That has become sort of the template of how to do it. But I, I think there is something to be said about that with Russ. But to your point, he's an alpha. He's a big personality. He's kind of mm-hmm. got that little bit of that Cam Newton thing going on. And will the team take that personality personality on? It's going to be up to Russ to make sure that he convinces the team to do exactly that. It's not about personality. It's about production. And Russell Wilson has been able to produce, even though it's been at varied levels over the last several years. Yes, the production is low. There's been some off-the-field stuff, you know, personal losses that have happened. But more so, look at his first year in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett was a rookie head coach, wasn't experienced, wasn't ready. Next year in Denver, has a new head coach who, in the middle of a five-game winning streak, is telling him to take a pay cut or we're going to bench you. And so, like, there's a lot that was going on, even though Russell Wilson was still winning, at least last year. 26 
touchdowns, eight interceptions, 3,000 passing yards. I think quarterback needy teams like the Steelers or like the Falcons would be happy to have a quarterback like Russell Wilson. And last thing I'll say is this. You can love football and still want to play football. It's like, oh, I love football. I'm going to take a backup role. No, I love football and I want to play and I'm actually going to spend all this money on my body and my mind and my time so that I can play the game that I love. And so it's not an either or for me. It's a both end. There are teams that need a quarterback and there's a quarterback who can play the position. Yeah, we'll know soon. Uh, March 17th is the latest the Broncos could end up cutting him uh, to avoid paying him an additional 39 million. I think it's a win-win for Russ either way. Uh, Jeff, you were one for one today, I think, in convincing your colleagues. Yeah, oh, of I, things, I, mean, I personally think I was 2-0. Oh. Yeah, uh, it's up to them to understand what's right. 500. That's good. Bye, everybody.